0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Good to be here with y'all. The Western set's back. These guys are coming all the way up from Gunnison to hang out with us in church. That is fantastic. Good work. Uh, you know, I, pro- I say this probably, you know, three times out of four, but it is so cool to just be a part of this family whether you're a believer here or exploring who Christ is, it's just awesome to, to be with you guys, to be a part of this. I'm ex- you have your glasses on. <laughs> Sorry, Heidi. <laughs> Heidi and her husband are like myself and my wife and several other of you now and those who've come before who have dro- dro- are dropping off their children at college. And if you're a college-age person, you don't understand how this could be difficult But it is. Uh, Wow. Um, I've told you, I'm not particularly an emotional person, but I'm kind of a wreck. So, Um, yeah. I was hiking with my daughter, Sarah, uh, who's off at CSU. We just dropped her off yesterday. And um, I'm not going to mention that too many times. But um, I'm trying to work through it together through confession and being transparent. (laughs) We went hiking up to Rustler's Gulch. I haven't been there since uh, uh, probably 15 years. My kids are really small. And, you know, they were like three years old or something, so we, we had to carry them on. We probably made it 50 yards. So I didn't know much about the trail. And many of y'all have been on Rustler's Gulch. We drove up to the trailhead in my truck, and there's a gate there, and we were getting on. But right, after we got on the, or right before we got on the trail, we, uh, we bumped into some friends from Obi Joyful Church. And it was another father and his daughter, and they were headed up, and uh, so we we hiked up and we were Claire, Sarah and I were just a little bit in front of those guys, and then uh, we get way on up there, and we are at one of the creek crossings, and we we pass another family from obi joyful and this is uh, a few more people there's like five of them, and it 's a family with their full grown daughter so it 's kind of a theme running through the week weekend and then uh, we got up further we we had a picnic up there and when we were coming back down, we ran into another family from Obi Joyful Church. Now, here's the thing. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Where else can you go where you run into 15 to 20 people from your church in a remote part of the, of the play? I mean, where does that happen? Do you go to the park, in like a, a random park, and see 20 people that, are, that you know from your church? That's cool. Okay. <laughs> Just in case you weren't aware, that is very cool. I love that about this place because we can go. We go to the grocery store. You go to the restaurant, coffee shop, wherever, and you see people that you know, or at least exploring Christ or following Him. But it also it makes me think. There's a, a beautiful, positive side to that of the communi- community and fellowship, and that. And then the other side is, you know, we if we really have that much. Uh, uh, presence in the community we should have an impact in the community you know what following christ looks like shouldn't be a mystery to everyone around us it shouldn't be a holy huddle that people are looking at the backs of you know it should be uh, understood at least some kind of reputation about who we are should be in the community so there's it's sort of a two two-sided thing in my in my mind but anyway uh, look for for people who are, are parts of obi joyful church when you're out it's exciting or in gunnison even wherever you are uh we went up this trail and I just skimmed the map and I figured we'd just go up as far as we wanted and I didn't pay much attention to it. I just looked, okay, that, I get it. That's all I felt like I needed. And So we're hiking up and as you go up that trail, it's pretty gradual and moderate and then it, it climbs a little bit and as you go up, you just get these great views when you're looking back and then it turns this corner and you look down and you're headed into a whole new section of the valley and it's just this whole other world opens up. If you've been up there, you know what I'm talking about. It's just beautiful up there. And you're in just this different alpine setting. And you see the cirque of mountains coming around. There's a waterfall up there. And it's just, uh, it's tremendous. And I I wasn't expecting that. I I thought we were going to kind of head up into the woods. It would be beautiful and we come down. But there was just more and more. And as I I thought about that, as I was looking at this passage in Philippians 1 that we're going to be in, because when I read it the first time, I was like, oh, cool. That is a a beautiful prayer by Paul. I thought, man, this is great. I can learn from this. I can share this with, with my friends. And then I kept reading it and studying. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, just the further up and in you go, the bigger it gets. And you turn a corner, you're like, oh man, this is, this is amazing. It's amazing what's in this passage. And so we're, we're only going to touch on a little bit of it. I would encourage you to, to go much deeper, read it, uh, study it this week. Uh, what Paul does is he, 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 he's not praying like he's not saying, Lord, this is my prayer. Lord, in in recording that for us, what he's doing is he's telling us about how and why he prays and how this is working in his life and what it means to the people he's praying for. And so we're going to learn about uh, several different aspects. It's kind of a soup of things together. And so you'll have to pull out the best of what you can from the aspects that we look at. But in the end, the last thing that he says, the last few words that he says are the most important. And that is the purpose of prayer. So if there's nothing else that you get this morning, nothing else that you hear or think about, it it is this, that our prayer, when we pray, what we are praying for in the end, the focus of our prayer is the glory and praise of God. Okay, now some of us may have an understanding of that or intellectual assent or a bit of a heart knowledge of that, but this is one of those deeper, further in things of being a believer, of following Jesus. And and it's this, that... um, Yes, talking to God about what's going on in our life, what we're struggling with, what we need, what we want, all those those good things that that are important in life, those are all a part of it. And Paul prays for many of those things in this. But at the end, it's the glory and praise of God that matters. Because when we are in that place is when we are most satisfied. So that's the thing I'm asking you to trust me on and trust the word on, even more importantly, is that when we are glorifying God, when his praise is most important, when what he has is most important and is the focus, that is when we are most satisfied. You you can't fill yourself with something else and think it's going to do the trick. It will not. It will not fix you. Things will not be truly better unless God is glorified. And that is where the end and focus of our prayer should be. So that's the main principle That we're going to get to. But on the way, Paul's going to show us a lot about prayer in the process. We're in this, this is the third of our series on great prayers, which is probably a picture of, yep, that guy praying. So we're looking at the prayer, the person who's praying, Paul, in this case. And this is the third one we've looked at that Paul is is actually the speaker in. And then, Secondly, we're looking at what, what is it that that prayer contains? So how do we talk to God? What is, in this case, the purpose of prayer? So I want to encourage you, go back and look at verse 7 and 8. We're going to skip those just to make it a little bit easier to read because Paul does that thing where he goes all over the place. And we're going to narrow it down to just the, the part where he's talking about the kind of prayer that he's praying. This is Philippians 1, 3 through 6, and then 9 through 11. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, for you all, making prayer, making my prayer with joy. That's where Paul says, y'all. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. All right, three things as we walk through this. One is the perspective Paul's coming through that he's he's speaking from. The next one is the place, and the place in terms of relationship. Where is the place that Paul is speaking from? So he has a perspective, an attitude, and then he's speaking from a place. And then finally, Paul has a plan. Paul never is never without you know, giving some real detailed instruction about where we need to go. So perspective, place, and plan. So starting with perspective. When you read this, I mean, some of you, probably, some of you moms out there have a plate that says, you know, whenever I think of you, I pray for you, I'm thankful for you. And you put it out at like birthdays and stuff like that. I know we have one. And that's, that is what this verse is in verse three. I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy. Paul is expressing this perspective, this attitude of joy and thankfulness when he is talking about and praying and talking to God about these people. We didn't read uh, verse 7 and 8, but I want to read them to you now, because here is a guy. I mean, Paul Paul is like a registered tough guy, right? When you look at Paul's life and the boldness with which he brought the gospel into that community, that guy was not afraid of anything. I mean, he's in prison right now because of his boldness. So in verse 7, he's just effusive about the emotion that he feels for the people that he's praying for. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. That's pretty personal stuff, right? Right? I think that this is, uh, I think this is pretty practical when we're thinking about how we communicate about what we're praying for and who we're praying for. So maybe think of This has been pretty instructive for me personally lately. to Really think about the application of this. And that it's important that we're not afraid to put our emotions out there when we're engaging with others about the prayer that we have for them. I mean, that's just exactly what Paul is doing. So let's learn from that. Why not say I really care about you deeply and i 'm praying that or if it 's uh, sorrow or hurt or to engage with people in that I'm, this is a this is a hard thing i you know uh, and this this is the last thing i 'll say about Sarah um, so we had to you know we 're in a room and we 're wrapping up you know Claire and Sarah have to perfectly decorate the room before we can go and and we finished that process or they finished that and uh so we're, we're kind of sitting there like, okay, it's time to go. So we get, we get out to, the, to the, uh, where the car's parked out in front of the dorm she's staying in. And, and uh, uh, I'm like, well, I can, I can do this like one of two ways. I can either be like stoic <laughs> or I can like, I'm picturing myself just melting down, like just putting my hands over my face. And I'm like, I think that's not going to be helpful to her. This is about me. And I'm, I, can't, I can't see in between. I don't even know how to go there. I'm not a very, I'm not good at that stuff. And so here it is, like totally in my face. It's my baby girl, you know. And so I, I, I you know, the tears are coming. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, what am I going to do? But I managed to get through it. But what I, the one thing I had seen in this and I saw in Paul was, don't, don't be afraid to show the emotion the passion, the compassion that you have for the people that you are praying for. And that, that's exactly what he's doing. I don't know what you want to take from that, but that it, there is this truth in that that I think uh, is hard for some of us to do. We need to express that, where we are and what we feel, and you can think about who it is that you're praying for. So here's this tough guy, and he is inspired by his friends, by this extended family, and he is praying and expressing emotion and thankfulness and joy because of them. He's led to prayer because of them. So he, he, this is the perspective that Paul's coming from. Transparency, uh, just put it all out there. And I think that's a beautiful thing about this communication that's happening between him and God and amongst these, uh, these people that he cares so much about. By the way, he is in prison. I said that. He's really in prison, prison, not in house arrest now. And they're something like 800 miles away and he hasn't seen them in 10 years. So he is is like holding on to what he knows about them. He cares deeply for them. And he is impacting them significantly from far away. And you know, this letter wasn't an email or a text. You know how this, he had to like say, well, I'm going to send this dude to you with this letter. So welcome him. He's making a big effort to communicate what he is feeling about them. It drives him to prayer. So that's the perspective Paul comes from. And then this place. Uh, what is the place, and with Paul, the place is I, I think, all, all related to relationships, because he is in prison. I mean, what place could be more limiting and discouraging and despairing than prison? Some of you that have been there, just tell me i 'm kidding. <laughs> I have been there myself once, but uh, there was just a park it was just a ticket, so don 't worry, but uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah uh, it 's not a, not a, a fun place. Uh, he is. This is Paul, y'all. He is. Do you hear me? I said Paul, y'all. <laughs> Texas is, is just coming out. Paul is the most driven. You know, probably his downfall is he is so driven, so direct, so blunt, right? And now he's in prison. What? Have you ever been frustrated because you just can't get it done? What you want to do, you're completely limited. I mean, imagine Paul's frustration being locked up, it's impossible for him to do anything about his faith that he is so uh, committed to. And I read this in some commentary, but it it said this. It said, uh, prison made Paul better, not bitter. It sounds like a Hallmark card, but if you like that stuff, hold on to that. It made, prison made Paul better, not bitter. I mean, from this place of despair, he decides to inspire others, okay? In fact, this is one of those things that's just hard to understand. If you you were to look up, I think we've got it in verse 12 of chapter 1. He says this about his imprisonment. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy that him being in prison could advance the gospel. And here's how. So that it has become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard, the whole police force, the whole group of people keeping me in jail, and to all the rest, like everywhere around me, that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord, these are people around him, by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now y'all, it's easy to read that and go, oh, that's cute. That doesn't even make sense. Because he says, I'm in prison, I'm completely trapped, and this easily could end in my death, but people are encouraged to be bold because of this. So he, later in the book, he actually says, hey, and there's some, some of the guards, they greet you people in, in Philippi. They're believers now. They're greeting you too, it says at the end. That's pretty cool. I mean, he is not stopped by his circumstances whatsoever. I mean, this is a guy who turns lemons into lemonade, right? That's another one of those Hallmark things. <laughs> Apologize for that. He, he, ha, he takes that place of despair and turns it into inspiration. See, this is another piece of what Paul is, is communicating about his prayer, is that he, can, he speaks words of encouragement and joy, in thankfulness into the lives of people and for them on their behalf to God, despite the despair that he might be going through. Y'all, I have a hard time thinking about other people when, when I have the smallest little bit of trouble. So I, this, this prayer has become more and more applicable to me as I've thought about what does that mean? When I'm when I feel like oh, all I need to do is pray for what my needs are and my wants and the things that I know are immediate. But what, what does that mean in terms of how I pray for other people because of what I see in Paul's prayer right here? So from a place of prison, he is reaching out. That's, that's part of this relationship, this place that's broken, broken relationships. But he's turning it into something much better. But he also talks about a partnership with these people that is... Uh, Pretty powerful. And uh, so look at verse four. This is the other, this, it's a kind of a, a, he's speaking and saying, hey, even though I haven't seen you in a long time, we have community and we have partnership in what we're, in, in following Christ. So here it is in four. Always in every prayer of mine for, for you all, making my prayer with joy, because, this is the reason, because of your partnership in the gospel from the be- very beginning. This partnership is, is something that I think we express at our church, and some of you may not know this, but one of our DNA statements is that we go together. We go together. We have a picture, a little emblem of a a tandem bike. That As the the people of Obi Joyful, we go together. So whether we're on a trail or in town or in here or whatever, that idea of community and partnering together and working together as a team is critical to who we are as believers, and paul 's talking about that right here and he is he is motivated and excited by that. it leads him to prayer. so when we are in community together, living together, working serving together hand in hand in the gospel, we are um, we're in the place that paul is in and then he says this he says and we 're partaking together of the grace of Jesus, so partaking means you know to take all a little bit each from the same thing. So we're partners, but we're also partakers. And I think this is cool. Uh, this is verse uh, seven. Hold, I hold you in my heart because we are partakers in the grace of Jesus. I hold you in my heart because we're partakers in the grace of Jesus. So cool that, that Paul, so far away from the Philippians, can say we're partakers of the same thing and they can understand that and we can read Paul 2,000 years later and be partaking of the same thing as a community. The other day, uh, this last Friday, I think, several of us guys were at a camp out up uh, Washington Gulch. And, uh, man, I knew it was going to be great because of the men who are going to be there. And a couple of those guys are just fantastic cooks. And I've, I, if you've been here, I've mentioned this a couple of times. So every time we do a guy's thing, somebody's cooking like crazy. And those of you who are there, remember breakfast, that's the part I was there for after after camping out. So my friends are cooking and just bringing it to me. Here's some more pancakes. Here's some more sausage. Here's some more, you know, just, and we're sitting around the fire, staying warm. It's a beautiful morning. And we're partaking of this fellowship together. The, the gift that they were giving of service is almost like the gift that Paul is giving of prayer. That we are partaking in this thing together. And, you know, because of that, I, would, I, I felt this bond with those guys who were there eating together, partaking of the same thing. And y'all, you know, that's what the church is about, regardless of our age, where we're from, how we connect. In this place, we partake of this thing that was, is the gospel of Jesus. It was this, it's this thing that was paid for so dearly for us to have a piece of. And all of us who are following Christ have taken part in that. So we're partners and we're partaking ongoing of the same thing. And he says one more really interesting thing. And it comes up a little bit later in the passage in verse 27. And he's talking about what he hears about the unity and the partnership of, that church, of the church of Philippi. So look at uh, starting a little bit into verse 27. So whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind. So unified, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel the reputation that Paul heard of that church is that they were unified, standing firm on the gospel and also striving for it together. I think that summarizes so well what our our mission is is as Obi Joyful. The gospel is reconciliation between man and God. And we are striving together that that would be known, The faith of the gospel would be known. That is what we're about. And going together is a piece of that. That's what we are known for. Our Our reputation on the trail, in town, whatever, I would love it to sound like that, that we stand firm on the gospel of Jesus and that we're running with God in what he is doing. So he speaks from a place of broken relationships in prison and he speaks from a place of partaking together in community, even though he's far away from these people. So we have the, the perspective, the hope, the joy that he writes with, the thankfulness, and then this thing that is relationships, this, this place he writes from, but the plan. So Paul's never without a plan, and he wants us to hear that. You know, he needs us to see what it is that he wants. These are the steps that he'd like to unfold. And so what I want to do is show you uh, this, this plan of transformation that Paul has in just a couple of verses. He's going to talk about three things, overflowing love, Wisdom that leads to purity and total contentment in Jesus. Love, purity, and contentment in Jesus. So verse 9, look at it there. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Couple things about this. One is what a blessing it is that following Jesus has a cornerstone of being filled with love. So when you can picture whatever uh, container you want to use as as a, a metaphor for yourself, but y'all, we are we are f- what Paul is praying for is that the containers of the believers would be filled to overflowing with love. Now, if that's the case, what is the reputation of the, of the follower of Christ at this church going to be? What, and, and not only the external appearance of that, but what does it mean to us internally that we are filled with the love of Christ, filled to overflowing? Picture that. And then he says, I want you to have understand... Let me read, make sure I say that right. He says, I want you to have knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. So we can have knowledge, but if we act without understanding, it, it we don't apply the knowledge that we have we're, we're not we're going to I'll use, continue to use the metaphor of the container. We'll let things in there that contaminate the purity that God has us uh prepared for and is moving us towards. So he's praying, this is his plan, that we would be overflowing with love, but that we would experience and know the wisdom of God that makes good choices about what we put inside of us. And then he says, I want you to be filled up with the fruit that is Jesus Christ. And I I think that is such a great image. Uh, It made me think of uh, a... something that happened after a hiking trip. I was, it was a, a few years ago, <clears throat> like 20, and, but I still remember it. And uh, we'd done, a group of us had done Capitol Peak over here and we were coming down, uh, after the hike, we went down to Aspen. And one of the things on these group trips that I used to lead a bit were, um, was that I would only have basically dry food. And so people were pretty miserable from day one. And so like we'd be on the first day of the hike and people would be, would be uh, uh, talking about like what kind of hamburger that we're gonna have. And then that would be like, oh, I get one of chilies. No, I'd get one of whatever, you know, and it'd pass it around. And then it'd switch over to like cheese fries. And people were talking about what they were starving for. And with, I couldn't get the idea out of my head of just some kind of fruit that just sounded, because it was so hot during that particular trip. So we got down to, to uh, Aspen. We went in the grocery store there and I bought this, they had just the best looking peaches ever. They were huge. And I was like, this is exactly what I need. And I bought that thing and everybody was shopping and we all ran out the door to eat, like in the parking lot. <laughs> and we're still all dirty and stinky and stuff. And I just I remember still vividly in it was that burning hot parking lot set, I'm taking this huge bite of this peach. And I'm like, it's just dripping. It was amazing. And that thing was so satisfying. I can't even explain to you how good it was and how it filled me up. It was all I needed. I just needed that. And I think that there's a, a, just a direct correlation to what it is with Jesus. We know that what being filled with who he is is the exact thing that we need. It will fill us up like the very best thing that we can imagine. Nothing that you can stuff in your life, is going to make you content. Nothing except Jesus. Nothing that I can stuff in my life is going to make me content except Jesus. And so Paul is writing from this perspective of joy and thanksgiving for these people, from a place of relationship with them and in a broken place of relationship himself. But he's also got this plan for them to move, to be filled with the love of Jesus and then to experience making good decisions on behalf of him. And then he's, he's praying that they would just be, that the sweetness of knowing him would just overflow. So let me, let me close with this thought, and that's that one I mentioned at the first, and it's the last line, where it says, the point of this, he says, all of this is that God would that is all to the glory and praise of God. That everything I just said to you, Paul says, is to the glory and praise of God. Uh, one of the things we learn when we follow Jesus is that, yes, we communicate to him about what we need and want and feel and what we hope for other people. That is good. But in the end, what we are praying for is the glory and praise of God. And here's the truth that we have to embrace if we're going to understand that. When he is most glorified is when I am most satisfied. Okay? So uh, we have to choose whether we're going to believe that and act on it, or we're going to fill ourselves with other things and try to be satisfied with things other than him. When he is most glorified, we are most satisfied, regardless of the circumstances. I think it's, it's not unlike that trail, you know, where we're, we're heading up and we're going deeper and further in, up into the valley. And we, I think I've seen it all. I'm like, this is beautiful. And we come around the corner and there's something completely new. And as we move more deeply into Christ, into knowing him, we'll see more and more that what is most satisfying to us is his glory. That brings us satisfaction. Let me pray for us. God, may we see that. May we trust that what you have is better than what we want. Uh, And God, in that, find uh, peace and contentment. Let us be filled up. And God, let us pray well for, and show the emotion that you have, uh, that you give us for others when we talk about praying for them and when we do talk to you on their behalf. And it is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.